Hello and welcome to the Free to Be Show. Tonight, I'm so excited to welcome back one of my guests from February. And um, we'll be talking about what if we had no labels. I will introduce him right after this. Welcome to the Free to Be Show. I'm the world's best joy monger. Yes, I made that word up. I'm here holding space for you so that you can reveal your joy. I'm also a multi-award winning author of eight books, mother of six children, and a host of two podcasts. Here on the Free to Be Show, I engage you in conversations so that you can dive in and really notice whether or not you're free in your heart and your mind and your soul. So are you free? Let's see. So now I'm happy to welcome my guest. Ta-da, David Chambers. <laughs> hey, Cordelia. How are you? I am doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. Um, I I was thinking about what what I entitled this particular episode on the topic of don't love your labels, and I thought, you know what, you can handle this. You're a master <laughs> coach. So what if we didn't have labels? <laughs> wow. It's a big question, isn't it? Imagine we didn't have labels. You know, if we look around the world at everything, you know, that there is, we've just labeled them with various labels and attributes. Um, you know, like I'm a man, you're a woman. Those are just labels, right? And the labels have, they have kind of a simple meaning, you know, like I'm a man that denotes my gender. But then there's a far more complex story and narrative that is held behind that by each individual person in the world, right? So some people will look at me and go, he's a man. And then they have their story about what men are, right? Or maybe a man will look at me and go, ah, he's a man. And they have a story about what men are like, maybe based on their father or a brother or an uncle, whatever it may be. You know, some people look at me and go, I'm a black man. So then that adds another layer to my label and another layer to the story. So I guess if we were able to really let go of the labels and we were able to let go of the story and the narrative, then we would all be a lot more free to, we would be un, we, you know, I wouldn't have that feeling of moving through the, the world as a quote unquote black man and what a black man is meant to do, allowed to do, shouldn't do, should be doing and so forth wouldn't be kind of fencing me in, right? You know, I wouldn't walk down the street, like I'm living in Portugal at the moment. And, you know, the part of Portugal I happen to be in, there's not particularly many black men wandering around. And there's not many black men wandering around with a blonde Swedish woman in the same way that I do with my partner also. So I noticed that people sometimes, they look for, you know, maybe they look twice, maybe they just look once for a very long time. Now, if I didn't hold the label of me being a black man and her being a white woman, then that whole interaction of what would happen in that staring would have a different meaning to me, right? And even the word staring would, you know. So like I said, if we could drop these labels, a lot of meaning would fall away. 
and a lot of the meaning that kind of entraps us in what we can and can't do or what isn't isn't is or isn't possible for us would would start to fall away yeah i i really feel what you're saying and i'm also hearing at the beginning there that words can be empowering right because you said uh something there at the beginning that we have given names to things in the world and that is the power that we were given in this human form right to name things and it's our choice to abuse that power by diminishing the naming of those things with judgment mm. yeah that's that's what i'm mostly hearing and feeling you say and 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 um so specific to what you were talking about, the stairs, right? That is how you're receiving it based on a story that you've created it, right? Perhaps it's like they just see you two as foreigners because you came from England. Could be that, mm. right? So maybe they don't even see that you're black and she's white. Maybe they just see like they're foreigners here, <laughs> right? Because you're not from yeah. Portugal. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I mean, like when I when I give it back to you like that, how how does that feel as opposed to they're they're perhaps staring because I'm black and she's white? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it reminds me of um, it reminds me of when I was in India and I experienced a very similar thing, a lot of staring. And there was a point where. I was released from the the meaning that I gave it because I was just like, oh, people are just really interested in me. And I, I said to someone, I was like, it's like I'm a celebrity here. You know, people, you know, they want to see what I'm doing, what I'm eating, what I'm about. It's like I'm famous here, you know. So that's, <laughs> if I if I take on that label of being, oh, because I'm a celebrity in India, I'm a celebrity, that's why people look at me. My whole body reacts differently to the experience, right? Yeah. And it's like you said, we have the power to give names and we can give whatever judgment in whatever direction we choose to and we can choose an empowering uh, empowering label or we a disempowering label right um in the same way to to go back to being a black man like often people would think that oh that's a really difficult existence to to live you know in this day and age and i see through the work that i do with men in coaching um and so forth is like I can have conversations that a white man can't have, you know, because I'm a black man who's lived through certain experiences. And I see that's quite an empowering place to be. I can have certain conversations without fear of maybe being called racist or or any other sorts of labels just because of of being a black man. And that's a very different way to look at the label of of black man, right? Because I'm now looking at it from the point of view of it gives me, it, it adds to me, it benefits me in some way in the work that I do. And it also benefits me in so many ways. Like, you know, I have clients come to me and they're like, you know, I really want to work with a man of color. And I'm like, wonderful, because I am and I'm here, <laughs> you know. So again, I see those as benefits or, you know, the, the label of um, coach is an interesting one. You know, people go, oh, so you're a coach. And then you hear this this kind of subtle energy behind what people think that means. And sometimes in some arenas, especially in the world of dating, 
what I delve into a lot is people see that as less of a, a coach. They think the word coach isn't necessarily coach. They think it means mentor. So they're like, so tell me, what do I need to do? What sort of advice should I, do you recommend for me in my dating life? And I'm often like, ah, oh, I see. The word coach to you, the label that is coach has a meaning for you. And that's not the meaning that I particularly assign to myself. Mm. So it's like, how do we, uh, I think an important part is like, how do we take the labels that we have assigned to ourselves and start to turn those into more empowering labels or more empowering narratives? Wow, David, like, have you been living in my head? Because <laughs> that last point, I know, like, I struggle with this a lot. You know, I, I know, like, people may at first glance be like, oh, that Muslim woman, but like, second glance, of course, they're like, oh, she's probably black, you know? And um, so as a black woman, I have a lot of stories and I make that mean something sometimes. And other times I'm like you, that makes me a superhero, you know? <laughs> um, and both are true. Well, I mean, I can make both true. The, mm. the, the judgment one, you know, where it's like, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it's almost like a woe is me, you know, because um, I feel the weight of the judgment of others surrounding what it is to be a black woman is um, like lesser than, like so much lesser than. Like I even look up to the fact that you're a black man. It's like, wow, at least he's a black man, you know, because he's like higher on the socioeconomic scale than I am and then you know I catch myself and I'm like but is that even true because mm -hmm. in my core and I know you believe this too I feel and I believe that we don't even look like what people see it's just the limitation of our human eyes that give the you know molecules that create our matter the the vision of what we see and what others see you know so when I think of what if we have what if we had no labels I think can I exist as just a soul and how would I have to be to show up as a soul only you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Because, you know, as you said, our, our human eyes, they only have a, a really tiny um, range of seeing light, right? And seeing waveform in, its, in itself. So, you know, there's all this energy that we give off that can't be seen or felt by most people that stretches way beyond my body. So I'm bigger than this dense and heavy body here. That's even surprising because uh, you're like, how tall? <laughs> <laughs> really? You can't be bigger than that. <laughs> I believe I can fill a building with my presence and my, my aura. It's like, so if we can look at something that's like the soul, the deeper meaning, the deep, the deepest part of us, the, the most unchanging part of us, the part of us that came to this earth to have an experience, and we can relate to ourselves as that. 
and we can continually relate to ourselves as that because I think that's the that is the the game almost you know it's like we can maybe one percent of the time we relate to ourselves as that soul and you know if we can start bringing that up into the into higher numbers then do we then become kind of impervious to other people's judgments of us they're seeing their tiny waveform of us or even the labels that they put on us do we then get to a point where those things no longer really affect us because because we don't even resonate with those labels when mm. they are put on us they seem so foreign to us that we it's a bit like um you know if someone you know it's with like children if sometimes you say something to a child and they literally just don't hear you they just don't hear you. It just doesn't register for them. Or, yes. you know, being being uh, in my relationship, sometimes, you know, my partner, she says something to me and it literally doesn't register in my brain. It just flies over me. Like, just goes through me, you know. It goes through me without any knowledge. Um, but will we become in that way where we can relate to ourselves as this soul? So when someone does say, for instance, you place this label of, of black Muslim woman and says a comment or says a phrase, because there's nothing in you that resonates with that. You just, it's like a foreign language that passes you by and you carry on with the rest of your day or you hear the rest of the, what you said, you know. Do we become, you know, could we be just become, you know, like I said, impervious to these things? And if we could, if we can do that, what power do we have in the world? What sort of power can we, can we bring to the world in the things that we're doing and the things that we're creating? Oh man, yeah, that we would have so much more power. I mean, and and our words would mean more because what I've noticed for myself by uh, attaching myself to story and by receiving um, what I perceive as other people's judgments, because I could be totally wrong, right? <laughs> I could be so <laughs> off the mark. Um, but I perceive their looks as stares or glares it diminishes the power of my words, my belief. It takes away from my abundance because I have the doubt. Mostly I have frustration and frustration is an insidious thing. It's like a real poison, you know? Anything beautiful in the world, you just put a little bit of frustration in there and boom, it's like, it dies immediately. You know what I mean? I see you totally shaking your head in agreement. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because, you know, ultimately, we would be kind of reacting to these these things, right, from people. They, we, we take on those labels, and then when we speak, we are holding onto those labels in our minds. You know. I give an example or something that kind of come to me recently in a session of therapy with my therapist is I was like, Oh, you know, I don't really get angry. And he was like, Oh, why don't you get angry? And I was like, you know, anger wasn't really something that was seen in my home. And then after we really delved into it, it was just that I was just told from a very young age is like, don't be angry. And then on top of that I was told as a black man, don't be angry, you know, because if you're angry, you're dangerous. <laughs> so I've taken on that label of like, don't be angry, don't be an angry black man. And that has become a like part of my psyche and the part of the way I move through the world. So there's this 
this little emotion, not so little, but also quite um, important, really, because anger has the power to move us forward, that I will always suppress, or more or less so now, but I definitely would always suppress and be like, oh, no, 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 you can't get out the bag. So then that actually kind of stops my full self-expression of being me. So in somehow this conversation or this thing that was said to me way back when, a label that was just uh, put upon me or said in front of me is affecting me now 37, you know, 35, 37 years later. And that's just one, right? Mm. And, you know, I give the example of around color because I think a lot of those labels are very easy for us all to see. Um, And I want to have that conversation with you about color too because that's why (laughs) I needed a black man for this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Because those labels are just so obvious to us all. We know these these labels existed. These exist. And it's just like, imagine that's just one label, right? We are being conditioned into thousands of these labels, thousands of them constant, like through our lives and at any given moment. So when people say to you, you can or can't do something, you know, you should or shouldn't do something, they are just basically putting a label onto you. You know, they're saying, no, you can't do that. So they're, they're labeling you in that moment and saying, nope, you can't do that. And in those moments, it's really a choice for us to say, do I accept this label? Does this label, is this a label I want? Or is this a label that I do not want? Does this label serve me? Or does this no longer, does this not serve me? Or does this empower me? Or does this disempower me? Yeah, that, um, we, we open or close that door to the projections, you know? And we also sometimes project. I mean, tell me whether or not you resonate with this. Like, sometimes I have put myself in a box, right? That, well, because I'm a mom, because I'm a wife, because I'm divorced, you know, because of whatever, I can't, you know? And... um and those labels really limit me. And sometimes they make me super angry. And I've gone through, like you, different iterations of how to deal with that anger because, you know, um, the angry black woman is just perceived as crazy. You know what I mean? Mm. You may be perceived as violent as an as a angry black man, but we're just crazy, right? Like, don't listen to that, you know? And, um, and always wanting to be taken seriously, you know, it's like my anger is is surfacing as you know these days as this the free to be show right i'm i was angry and so i was like you know what i'm going to just talk about stuff that i need to free my mind from and have conversations with just the people i want to talk to and this is me being angry you know so it, it and it's acceptable right and people can connect with it. And um, it's freeing at the same time. What kind of methodology have you used to express your anger in a like a more creative, consistent creative way? I mean, is that how you found it, your podcast or your business or? Mm, yeah, I think there was a conversation I had with a friend of mine uh, maybe a couple of years ago. And one of the things I said was like, you know, I really want to change the narrative around men. 
you know, the narrative that is, is out in the world about men. I think the most common narrative, the most common narratives, and, you know, I talk about in the UK, though I'm not living there now, I'm very au okay with the narratives there about men and what the media will allow to be published about men, which is they're greedy, they're selfish, uh, they're angry, they're violent, they're sexual predators, or they're depressed and they're unhappy, mm. right? Those are the, the kind of allowable um, narratives. Now, one of the, the some of the narratives we don't hear is like loving, caring, nurturing, um, protecting, looking after, um, raising awareness, raising consciousness. These are not narratives that we see so commonly about men. So a big part of my work, I saw that and felt quite angry. And I, I continue to see those narratives being pushed, whether that's through media, social media. So part of, you know, my channeling of that anger was to create a new narrative and to speak in a different way and speak my truth um, into the world by speaking to wonderful people like yourselves and just hearing people's real stories so that people could start to hear men in a slightly different way and start to be like, oh, wait, like there's these guys I'm hearing every week or, you know, I interview men very regularly on my podcast and wait, I'm hearing these men and these men aren't like the men I'm being told are the only men around. And at that point, someone can start to question, you know, like I've got messages from women through Instagram or by email and they're just like, listening to your podcast completely changed how I saw men. Because it was the first time that they'd been exposed to men speaking in a different way or men were giving a platform to speak in a slightly different way. And I'm not saying that, you know, a lot of the things that we see in the media about men are also true. They're not true for all men, but it's also true. But there's also this other side because we are a range. We are, you know, we're human beings. So we just have this huge range of how we can be. So a part of my anger was definitely in, in creating that creative body of work of, of my podcast, my coaching, and even, even some of the events that I run. And I think there's also another place that I allow my anger to, to come out in, which is not so creative, but it's more because it's really necessary. And that may be in contained, sacred explosions, <laughs> actually. And that might be, you know, punching pillows, that might be screaming into pillows, that might be screaming at trees or in the forest or underwater, you know, because there's a certain physicality to that sort of release of anger that, you know, we're as, as human beings, we are vibrational beings. So it's like to allow that vibration to move through us is to give that, that, that energy, that energy, that emotion, motion, and allow it to, to leave, allow it to move through us. And I think that is probably one of the ways in which a lot of men don't have access. They mm. don't allow themselves to go there because, you know, they don't want to be labeled as an angry man. And I think that's why sport is so popular for men. Yeah. Because it's one of the few places a man can really express emotion, whether that is sadness, joy, happiness, elation, you know, where he can really wholeheartedly like celebrate or commiserate, you know, he can really go and do that in that space in a collective, if we're talking stadiums and we all look and go, ah, oh, that's fine. But if you saw a man out in the street, <laughs> like crying or screaming with joy, right. We would all be like, Whoa, what's going on there? Am I safe? 
right yeah. so i think this this allowance of anger and also finding you know sacred spaces to do that like i've done that in men's groups i've done it in men's retreats and i've seen other men release what i would really call 30 to 40 years of pent-up anger right mm-hmm. in 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 five minutes and seeing someone do that in a short space of time is one of the most moving things i've ever experienced like you can literally f- there's a difference feel in the air and you can see someone walk away like a lighter human being for releasing it yeah i can feel that you know like what you were saying and um i think that's really necessary to create spaces for men um we're going to take a commercial break and when we come back i want to talk more about that okay Join me in St. Martin in August or on the big island of Hawaii in June for the Replenish Me experiences, elements of fire and water and air and earth allow you to elementally So that you can be present in the moment of now and allow yourself to reveal your joy. To find out more, connect with me at bit.ly Joy to Connect. I'll see you in the islands. So, you know, this morning, um, before we came in to record, I saw you had posted something about men not doing the work, you know, and, um, and also you declined another one of my um, invitations because you're actually going to have, I think, a men's retreat that weekend, right? Mm. So let's talk about the spaces that you create for men to do the work. Mm. Yeah. So often, you know, men come to me, they approach me or I get talking to them in some way. And there's some pain, you know, there's some form of pain, whether that's heartache from relationship, the pain of not being able to meet a lover, the pain of maybe not reaching one's goals. Um, or even what's reasonably common now is, is the pain of not being able to be as intimate with a partner as they'd like. And... I guess from a a coaching and one-to-one basis, I just really create a space where they can speak freely and openly about whatever's happening for them, whatever they're feeling, whatever's happened, and just speak. You know, just speak. And, you know, I'd be... The amount of men who have never really had anyone really listen to them without trying to critique them, without finding if they're right or wrong or without kind of looking to judge or um, reply is incredible. And the number of men who just speak for, you know, 20 minutes plus without interruption, without me saying a word, I just listen. Hmm. And then also the number of them that apologize for speaking so much. Like who say, oh, I'm really sorry. I've just, I've just spoken for 20 minutes. And I'm like, this is what this is for. This is for you to speak. Is, is, you know, probably in the kind of 80% of the, the men when I first speak to them. 
So it's just creating that space for them to express, hear their own thoughts out loud. And then I just asked them some questions really about them. Like, you know, what do you want? You know, what do you see? What patterns do you see? And it's really a process of, of really getting to know oneself plus getting to know how one is acting because sometimes those two things are slightly different. So it's like, how, you know, what do you want? Well, what, why, why did you take those actions? And not from a point of view of judgment. It's just like, you know, why did you see that? And also bringing together their different things that they've done to create awareness because ultimately, you know, whatever we say about what doing the work is, is it creating a deeper awareness, both of ourselves, of um, our loved ones, the, the planet as a whole, and people we've never met yet. Right, it's creating more awareness, more compassion for others, more compassion for ourselves as well. It's a big part of the work I do is like self-compassion because when we can have a capacity for self-compassion, it's a lot easier for us to be compassionate about others. You know, I spoke to someone this morning and she was, as a woman, she was really struggling to be compassionate towards her partner, right? Mm -hmm. And when I started to just reflect back, like, you know, what could his fears be? What could his worries be? And once we can start to look past the actions and how those actions have hurt us, and she started to have her compassion for what she desired, right? That opened up the door for having compassion for him. And once that happened, she started to soften and relax. Mm. So it's like a lot of work I do with men is like, how can we, how can we be more compassionate to ourselves about, you know, due to the things we've been through in the past, you know, how can you be in compassion to ourselves or even the people that cause us pain? Mm. So we can start to let go of the grip of the, the mental patterns that we, we have. And we can open up to seeing different perspectives and new awarenesses. And through that simple process of doing that creates new awareness, creates new self-awareness, social awareness. We can start to take new actions. And when we start to take new actions, we embed in these new ways of thinking and these new beliefs. And we start to change who we are. We start to change who we are consciously towards where we want to be. You know, I had a conversation with one of my coaching clients this afternoon and he's just like, you know, he's like, Dave, you know, since we started talking, he's like, I completely changed how I'm thinking, you know? He's like, you know, instead of always being in struggle, now I'm looking at how I can thrive. And that really is, is such a, a beautiful thing to hear because for so many men, they're in this silent struggle, struggling but never mentioning it to anybody, struggling but not telling anybody. And that really blocks us from able to do the work because when we're just in this kind of fight or flight and struggle and we stay there, it's very hard to see a wider um, awareness or wider perspective or have compassion beyond your own struggle. So it's like, it's so important for us to, you know, stop acknowledge and then start to build awareness and space for us to grow. I so resonate with that. You know, that that's one thing that really drew me to your work initially I think when we met last year is that um, you base everything on self-compassion, you know? And for me, that's like the automatic bridge to the vocabulary we use. You know, for me, the self-compassion creates our sweet talk. That's what I call it, you know? And um, so do you find in your work with men, once they have more self-compassion, that 
their stories fall away or the vocabulary they use changes? Like, do they feel like um, being in the relationship they desire to create is more possible for them? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because they start to see that, oh, I have these fears and worries. And often the assumption is that these fears and worries that we have, we have them alone. And because we have them in some way, we're broken or there's something wrong with us. So if we're broken or there's something wrong with us and other people are not experiencing this, then there's something wrong with me and I should hide that, right? Mm. And that means you don't get to speak about it. You don't get to share about it. So your mind just rolls around on these fears and worries continually, right? And, and often you have this little inner critic in our minds and is berating us for having these fears and worries, telling us, look at you, look at them, they're doing fine, what's wrong with you? And this is the kind of opposite of self-compassion. This is kind of self, um, self-violence. Yeah, self-abuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, self-abuse. It's like, you know, this mental self-abuse. And it's why I love doing work with men in groups as well, you know, and workshops and, and programs. It's like when you bring them together and you start saying, okay, you ask a question, right? You know, what are, what do you fear about relationships or dating, for, for example? And then one man shares, oh, you know, I fear about losing myself. I fear like going into a place of just people pleasing. Or a man says, oh, I fear that I won't be good enough. Or another man says, oh, I fear that, you know, no one will love me. And then you hear three men say that, and there's maybe another 20 men there. And then you see maybe in the chat or another man speaks up and goes, wow, I feel like that too. I didn't know. I thought it was just me. And then another man. And then another man. And this has a ripple effect because instantly it starts to break this, this, this cycle in our minds that we are alone, right? These are yeah. the only men. I'm the only one that feel this way. And I, I recently run, I won't call it an experiment, but I, I ran a masculinity workshop and I made it open to all genders. So there was a, there was a few women there. There was a number of maybe 10, 15 men and a, and a few women as well and a couple as well. And the men shared very openly about their feelings towards masculinity. And the women in the room were blown away because they were like, wow, I didn't know that men felt like this. Like, this is another cycle, right? That we kind of throw in there. But when we create these, as men, when we are able to see that we're not alone, instantly in that moment, we're like, well, if it's not just me and it's him and him and him, ah, so then I'm not, I'm not, like broken because other people are sharing this experience and I can have compassion for him because I hear him and I'm like, oh, that poor guy, that must be really hard. So in that moment, because we can see ourselves in that person, we can also have compassion for ourselves as well in that moment because we're like, ah, oh, well, I really feel for him. And, you know, he may think this because of X, Y, and Z, but, you know, it's not his fault. And it's like in that moment, if we can listen to what we're saying, right, we'll go, oh, wait, I can reflect that back to me say that to myself and does that kind of quieten that voice in the mind does that um, lessen the grip of this story this narrative this label that I have about myself maybe being unlovable does that lessen that for me yes and does that allow me to be more free does that allow me to express myself a little bit more feel less shame and this is what I see is that when we can start to erode away this this shame especially is a very corrosive uh, emotion to hold on to that of the way that men think starts to change, the way they interact with the world starts to change, the way they relate to people starts to change. So basically you dissolve creating isolation. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah. When we come together, and I think that's what the power of, of say, what you know is termed often termed men's work is that men come together in groups, you know, of whatever size, and they have a shared experience in that group, and that shared experience is often a polar opposite to the general shared experience if they've had of being with men, you know, of being you know quote unquote banter and ridicule and you know competition and, and things like that when they come together in, in men's work in men's groups there's this kind of fierce love for one another you know of holding a man to a high regard and with accountability but with love and gentleness to him as well and it's a way it allows a man to have an experience of being with men that he's never really had before you know he's never had that oh well these, these guys really care about me and really love me right oh, but they also are really vulnerable and open and listen really intently to me. And no one's trying to be better than me or push me down or kick me or bully me in any way. I'm just accepted as I am. And that is a, in itself is a really transformational experience to have as a man. Yeah. And I'm also hearing they get to experience love in a different way and a more present way, you know, um, I can imagine for men loving another man, you know, especially if you're, I don't know what it's called, cisgen or whatever, you know, like um, you prefer to be with women. Um, so it must feel like they may experience some cognitive dissonance, like, I really love you, man, you know, <laughs> like, and it's like no other love they've ever experienced before. You know, mm. Mm -hmm. so that that sounds so beautiful. <laughs> I want to be a man. <laughs> I want to come. <laughs> I think the I think the next thing on is like I love I love men's work and I love men's retreats and I will continue to be part of them and and go to them as well. Is that I'm seeing more and more. There's like there's a power in mixed work. It's like is there you know, it kind of comes from the, the post I did today that you mentioned. It's like, you know, there's this myth that men are not doing the work. You know, I hear that a lot from women. And then with with men, I often hear the opposite. It's like, oh, me, women, the women are not doing the work. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> so there's this, we need to bridge the gap, right? So it's like bridging the gap work where we are come together as men and women and we listen to each other's stories and lives and experiences. And then to work together to reconnect and see each other as human, to see each other beyond our past experience of these past experiences of each other and can and connect to each other in this present moment as two human beings. And I see that that is, that's amazing work to do, right? Uh, to, to be part of or for, for mixed gender groups, because this is how we heal the world, right? This is how we start to remove some of the narrative that sits behind the labels is when we can come together in this in this way that is open, that is vulnerable, that is full of listening, but also have all that and then work together to create a new experience of each other. Yeah, I, I would love that. You know, I, I, I really agree. I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I'm like, all these years I've only been working with women. And so the retreats I'm offering this year are open to men and women. And, you know, of course, couples, although that's not my lane, I don't 
do, you know, relationship coaching. I'm more about you finding your joy, you know? Um, and I feel like we should do that together as humans, you know, like, let's not look at it as he's a man or she's a woman as humans, you know, we have so many things in common and there's so many ways we could support each other. If we just allow ourselves to see each other's humanness, you know? And so I, I love that while your main focus is men, you're, you know, doing some work with Osa, right? You, you are mm -hmm. the, you're doing those um, uh, couples workshops together um, to really bring the world together without labels. <laughs> mm, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, there wasn't really a question there, but <laughs> I, um, yeah, I think this has really been a, a great conversation. And, um, you know, like normally I ask, what's the one word you would say to pull everything we talked about together today? Mm. I think the words compassion, I think, is just really, you know, we've talked about it. And it's, it's, you know, compassion for ourselves, compassion for others, especially when we're thinking about the, the, the labels that people put on us. It's like, you know, forgive them for the, they know not what they do, you know, but also say that, say that to yourself as well. Forgive yourselves for you. You, you don't know what you're doing to yourself, you know, when we are really harsh to ourselves or we give ourselves these negative labels. So it's like, just be more, if we can be more compassionate to ourselves, then I think, I know that we can find a lot more, a lot more happiness and joy. Yeah. I love that. And I will just say free, right? Label free. <laughs> 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 so thank you again, David, for being here today. Um, I invite you to go and check out his podcast, The Authentic Man. It's it's really enlightening and life-changing. I listen to it on a regular basis. I send it to my clients. I send it to um, friends and colleagues. So um, check him out. And if you've benefited from our conversation, share this with another heart, share this with another soul, and be free. Until next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining the conversation. Now, take the time to reflect, introspect, and implement at least one action. Be in your body, be in your soul, be in your spirit. You know, be free. Until next week.